Ion 2020 episode 80. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Eye on 2020, the place that you're coming to Monday through Friday for the news and events that are leading up to the 2020 presidential election. Those who are going to be fighting to beat Donald Trump, your Democrats, your Libertarians, your Green Party, those that are just trying to make waves, those that are just trying to get books published, those who are just trying to stir up the pot. Those are the people that we'll be talking about, as well as Donald Trump. He is a crazy guy. You guys know that. He loves to send out tweets and bash people and do all the immature things that a great president should do or a crazy president should do. Who knows? But um, that's what we're talking about on this show. And if it's your your first time listening, I appreciate you coming out and listening. I really do. Uh, Go ahead and if you can, you can subscribe to this show if you like what you hear. Uh, you know, listen through the end of this show, and if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to it, right? Uh, if you want to give me a five-star rating and review, if you're really hyped up about it, you can do that. Uh, but you can also uh, check me out on my website, IonTheEmpire.com. There I post things that don't just have to do with the 2020 election, but I focus on things that, you know, are going on internationally, things that are going on domestically uh, with our government and what it, what they're doing to take your freedoms away from you and things like that. Uh, follow me on my Twitter handle at I am the empire as well. And believe it or not, you can find me on Facebook. Just type in I am the empire. I got a page there. You could probably find me that way as well. And those are great ways to communicate with me. Uh, I'd love to love to hear from you if you like what you are hearing on this show. But um, keep on coming back and listening. I appreciate it. And if you want to share this show with your friends, do that as well. That helps to get the listener base up. Uh, moving on, though. You guys probably didn't go through the drudgery that I had to go through with watching all of the town halls that were on CNN a couple nights back, right? But you know what? That's what I'm here to do, guys. That's what I'm here to do for you is to do all the things that you don't want to do to make sure that we can get the message out there of liberty uh, and talk about these candidates from that libertarian perspective that we talk about it on the show. And that's what I'm doing. I, I spent Monday night, I think I spent from 9 o'clock until about 11.30, punishing myself, watching all the promises that these candidates were going to give. Uh, you had Bernie Sanders, you had Pete Buttigieg, you had um, Kamala Harris, several others. And these people just, you know, they have all their promises that they want to do for you. They want to by your votes, essentially, and I listened to it. But the one that I wanted to talk about today, because he is the front runner in the Democratic Party, is Bernie Sanders. Back in 2016, you might be aware of this. A lot of a lot of uh, you know libertarian light people, a lot of people that you know swing libertarian in some ways. Uh, 
they kind of had good feelings about Bernie because of some of his issues. He's, you know, he's against crony capitalism, aren't we all? Unless I guess unless you're a neocon or something. Uh, he's against crony capitalism. He's against foreign intervention and things like that. So he was speaking a lot of their love language, you know, because libertarians, we love to hear that kind of stuff. Uh, but he's also speaking a very socialist message and one that gives out many promises and things like that. So libertarians kind of, you know, we give him a little hug when we think about a lot of some of some of his issues, but then we turn our nose up on other issues. And that's the same thing I feel about um, Tulsi Gabbard as well. Like, I love the way that she makes the anti-war movement, the pro-peace movement, the anti-foreign invention, foreign intervention movement, the forefront of her campaign. But then she sidetracks herself with a lot of these socialist issues, these democratic socialism ideas that she has, that most of these candidates seem to have nowadays on the Democratic ticket. She starts going in that direction, and it really irks me, uh, because those are things that I cannot get on board with her with. Same thing with Bernie Sanders. I cannot get on board with him on this. And I had a, I had an idea and some thoughts that I wanted to bring up to you guys about this, but I'll, I'll save that for towards the end of the show as well. So Bernie, he's against the war in Yemen. He talked about that. Someone had asked him a question basically saying, you know, asking him about where, how he's changed his views in the recent past and things like that. And one of the things that he said was that, you know, he recently voted and came together across the aisles with several, several of the Republicans. He was able to bring them together and they all came together and they voted against the war in Yemen. And then they sent that bill to, or uh, not against the war in Yemen, but against funding the Saudis, against helping the Saudis uh, with their bombing campaign and their starvation campaign in Yemen. And you guys know that this is a serious problem that's going on over there. There's kids dying, con- you know, kids dying, just bodies piling up in the street, essentially, over, you know, a terrorist organization that basically rules their rules that government. I think, and I'm not sure the exact. I would love to mo- know more um, on the exact reason why this is going on, but it's a humanita- humanitarian crisis because the Saudis are taking out on civilians, and that that equals war crimes, um, according to the Geneva Convention. But it also equals war crimes in any moral in any moral stance that you look at. That they're taking this out on the people of Yemen rather than those who are fighting in Yemen against the Saudis and so forth. And they're a sovereign nation, right? So they should have the ability to run their country without interference. We all, I mean, that's how I feel, is that there should be no foreign interference in a sovereign nation in that way. Um, but anyway, moving on. So Bernie, he, he, he voted against the war in Yemen. He voted against funding the Saudis and helping them out and so forth. Um, and he says recently he's changed his foreign policy views slightly to where he thinks it's more of an issue uh that he needs to that he needs to you know make maybe front and center of his campaign that he needs to be a little bit more aware of what's going on in the foreign policy arena so essentially he said that he's going to try to focus more in on the foreign policy issues and that's a thing that he's changed in his thoughts over the last several years um but here's what he is promising and this this i get from all of his uh all of his talks that he had over the, you know, during that hour 
that he spent on CNN, and he says, the top 1% has more wealth than the bottom 92%. 42% of all new wealth that goes to the top, or all new wealth goes to the top 1%. All the new wealth that's created, 42% of it goes to the top 1%. And he's, his solution to this problem is not, well, why is this happening? Why, let's figure out why it is that the top 1% has more wealth than the bottom 92%. Let's not ask why 42% of all new wealth goes to the top 1% of people in, in America, right? Let's not ask why this happens. She just says the government needs to get involved in this situation. He doesn't say how. He just diagnoses a problem. That's all he does. He never gets into solutions. His solution, though, is more government force, more government confiscation of wealth, give more money to the government. And we know when the government gets more money, it goes to a bureaucracy that just spends that money in a way that you and I would not agree with, in a way that they're just throwing away money, in a way that they're not counting every single penny to make sure it's spent properly, right they're just it's just money that's thrown away in a business world if you're just wasting money constantly you're going to go to business pretty fast in the government world if you're just wasting money constantly they just say hey let's raise the taxes let's confiscate more of this wealth so he says that the bill of rights that we have does not protect people's economic rights so what he says is that you have the bill of rights you have the right to you know freedom of speech freedom of press you know, freedom of association, things of that that nature, right? As well as the right to bear arms. You have We have this Bill of Rights in America that protects our rights in a way that the government cannot infringe upon those things. But he says it does not protect economic rights. And then he says the government should provide health care. The government should provide education tuition free. College education tuition free. He says we shouldn't punish people for the crime of wanting higher education. So when he says all this, he's referring to we, Americans should have economic rights. But I don't know if you guys have heard, ever heard of negative rights, and if you've ever heard of positive rights. Negative rights are rights that no one else has to has to give up in order to provide them to you, like the right to life. You can live in nature and have the right to life. You can live in nature and have the right to your property, the things that you own. You have those rights. Those are natural rights. You have the right to speak freely. That's a right that no one else has to give up anything in order for you to have. Now, when you infringe upon someone else's rights, then you're taking away their right, and then that means it's wrong. So that's when I say negative rights. Now, positive rights are rights that someone else has to give up something in order for you to have it. For example, if you had the right to health care, that means you have the right to enslave somebody else to provide you your health care. If you have the right to education, that means you have the right to enslave somebody else to provide your, your education. And not, when I say enslave, that's going using a very, you know, extreme term. But the reality is, is that when you force somebody to do something, you're a slave to them. You are making them a slave, maybe not for their entire life but for the few minutes that you're requiring their work. Just like if somebody stole your car, they're enslaving you because you, they're using your car, what you have the right to use. In some way, that is you, you're, you're losing your right to your vehicle 
you're they're using your labor that you paid for that car for a period of time so they can use that car so in that sense they're enslaving you same thing so if you have a negative right then that means nobody has to provide that right to you you can just have it in nature with a positive right it's different so bernie sanders he gets into these things he says the right to health care the right to public edu- or you know tuition free education uh, he says you have the right to or that the government should guarantee these economic rights to all people so that's just i mean it irks me when he talks about things like that right because all he's trying to do is just it seems to me he's trying to buy votes but he really believes this stuff he really believes that the government can provide these things cheaper and more efficiently than you can provide them for yourself or your employer can help you to provide those things and so forth like when you have government government insurance versus private insurance that's provided by your help provided by your you know the business that you have or the the company that you work for and so forth he thinks that the government is going to do these things better i beg to differ and you could see that in almost everything the government does they do it inefficiently they do it in a way that's wasting money and so forth but he is a true believer in the socialist view he just really is that's how bernie is man um he also says millions of families spend 50% or more of their income to put a roof over their heads, which is unacceptable in the richest country in the world. So somehow he's eluding there that the government somehow should fix that problem because the problem is the problem that he's talking about is 50% of or family, millions of families are spending 50% or more of their income just to put a roof over their head. So he doesn't define how big that roof should be. He doesn't define if maybe that person overpaid for their house or they should be living in a smaller apartment. Nothing like that. He doesn't define why rent prices are so high. Nothing like that. He just says the the symptom of the problem, but he doesn't get into the why things are like that because there are reasons that libertarians can talk about that if you go to like Mises.org and type or search, you know, why rent prices are so high, why home prices are so high, there's nothing in there. You know, there's plenty of pl- things that you could look at that'll show. There's plenty of place, things at Mises.org that would show the reason why these prices are so high. You can find them. So, but he doesn't get into that. He just gets into the idea. And he, he diagnoses the problem, but he doesn't say how it can be fixed. But his fix is more rent control. His fix is not, you know, increased supply at all or in you know there's there's no solutions that he has other than the government should intervene in this problem and maybe provide people with a cheaper home somehow or cheaper rent that's his solution to these problems right um but that's i mean when when you listen to this guy talk he has so many handouts that he wants to give tuition free college he wants to give parents you know the they want to give parents you know paid family leave when they have when they have a baby, things like that. There's so many things that he's provide that he's trying to provide, and there's no money there. If you look at the federal government, there's no money to pay for it. But then he says that the, he says, "Well, how do we pay for it all?" When Wall Street was bailed out for one trillion dollars, don't tell me we don't have enough money to pay for all of this stuff. 
will one trillion dollars is not going to go far on all of the list of things that he wants to provide they say medicare for all even is going to cost like four and a half trillion dollars which is larger than the entire federal budget now so the last thing i wanted to talk about specifically with regards to bernie sanders though is this i like his position on israel he says that he supports israel as a nation that's fine um, but he does say this, that Netanyahu treats the Palestinians unfairly. He says the goal must, to bring these people, must be to bring these people together, um, but right now the government of Israel is run by a right-wing, far-right government, and he says, beg, or may I even dare to say a racist government. And it's true, the Palestinians are treated as a, a group of people that are you know, no different than the blacks in South Africa um, during apartheid. Actually, probably worse than the blacks in South Africa during apartheid, right? So he's clearly making a statement. And I, when he said that, when he said a racist government, you know, dare me to even say a racist government. When he said that, it blew my mind. And the reason why is because I thought that it would just blow up the TV, that the Israel lobby would just start pounding him on this thing as soon as they heard it. And I didn't really hear too much about it over the last day or so, um, but I'm sure it's making the news. And I, like I said, I don't watch Fox News. I don't watch MSNBC. So that kind of... Uh, but when he said that, man, I was just like, go Bernie! Because it is true that the Palestinians are treated as second-class people. They're key, they're locked. You know, they have, no, they have no right to travel. They have no right to basically vote within that country there's a lot of things that they are not allowed to do they're basically just encaged it's the world's largest prison essentially and uh it's wrong the way those people are treated so let me go ahead and say this as, as my final word though you have people like bernie sanders who kind of says that he's anti-war but he has these huge social agendas within the domestic policy arena with Medicare for all. He has, you know, he wants to get reparations for African Americans. He wants to give, you know, make college tuition free. He wants to forgive the debt of all of these people that have student loans. He wants to give people paid medical leave. He has all of these handouts that he wants to give, but he says that he's anti war, that he says he's anti foreign intervention. All of the other candidates are the same. All they talk about is domestic issues, constantly. Domestic issue after domestic issue after promise after promise, handout after handout, everyone's looking for a free lunch. And then they sort of say at the end, oh, and by the way, we shouldn't be intervening in Syria. Oh, and by the way, we shouldn't have gone to Iraq. Oh, and by the way, we should start pulling out of Afghanistan. Those are secondary issues to them. So when they have these issues as secondary issues, when if they get elected, if they end up in the presidency, those are their secondary issues. Their first issues are going to be the domestic policy issues, the promises, the things that are going to get them reelected by the electorate, right? Those are the things that they're going to go for. And the neocons in the bureaucracy know that. So when they get into office, just like Barack Obama, who said, I'm going to be the anti-war candidate, he gets into office, his number one agenda issue was getting Obamacare passed. Everything else went on the back burner, and the neocons knew it. So 
I guarantee you somehow underhandedly, they said, well, we'll give you this if you just keep your hands off of our foreign policy. Okay, that's fine. Same thing with Donald Trump. He was first and foremost the wall. He was first and foremost trade with China. He was first and foremost on economic policy issues, on getting his tax cuts done. Secondarily, he would say, I'm anti-foreign I'm anti intervention. And he got elected with that as part of his platform. And he got elected with this hopes that a lot of libertarians and a lot of anti-war people had that maybe he would pull out of these, these, um, these foreign entanglements that we have. But he did not. Because I think that somehow, when that's a secondary issue, then it's going to be kind of put on the back burner for the domestic policy issues. And the neocons, those people that have power within government, in the military and so forth, they are going to use that against him and say, well, we'll get you this stuff. You just keep your hands off of our foreign policy. And that's my main point is when Bernie Sanders or any of these candidates make it as their secondary issue that the military intervention is their secondary issue, then the anti-war movement is not going to get what they want. Same thing with Tulsi Gabbard. She keeps on talking about the anti-war issue, the anti-foreign intervention issue, but it does not get her... Um, or when she, if she happened to get elected by some miracle, um, if she makes these domestic policy issues her her main issues, I don't think I think that or I do think that what's going to happen is that the neocons, those in the bureaucracy, are going to say, "Hey, we'll give you all this. Just keep your hands off of that." And that's the conspiracy. But to me, it just seems like that's the truth. So anyway, guys, I appreciate you listening. I really do. Go ahead and uh, subscribe to the show if you like what you heard. I know I was a little bit rough today. I'm sorry. I'm doing this a lot later in the day than I normally do. And my thoughts have been a little bit, you know, jabbled up a little bit. And I apologize. But I appreciate you sticking with me. I think the point that I wanted to make was just that last point. Um, and I also wanted to talk a lot about Bernie Sanders and his issues. So I appreciate you sticking with me, though. Go ahead and subscribe to the show. Give me a five-star rating and review. And then hit me up on that Facebook page, Twitter page, and so forth. That's I on the Empire and IamTheEmpire.com. And then come back tomorrow so you can have clear vision for 2020.